When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to part two of our lovely chat with Michael Cashman. If you haven't heard part one, head back to the feed. Here's part two. If you have, when you were asked to go in for your conversation about playing the first gay character in EastEnders. Yes, lovely Colin. That period was, it was during AIDS and HIV when... AIDS and HIV was misrepresented as a gay plague that you could catch from people. And so the BBC deciding to bring into EastEnders, which in those days used to get about 14 million viewers per episode. Wow. Um, it was the BBC's flagship show. It had been going about eight, about eight, eight months. Um, so anyone who was going to play a gay part was immediately going to come under the magnifying glass of our friends, and I say that with a certain degree of irony, in the tabloid press. Mm. And that's why Julia Smith had been trying to cast a straight actor because it would have been easier for the actor and easier for the BBC, mm. no controversy. Um, and and so when she offered it to me, I said, well, how, how do I deal with the press? And she said, we, the BBC, can't advise you. That has to be between you and your agent. Wow. And I said, well, I can't accept it. I've got to ask my, my mum and dad first, and I've got to ask Paul. And she, she looked at Tony Holland, the co-creator, and she went, oh, I told you it'd be bloody sensible. Go on then, ring me later. <laughs> um, and I did, and I thought about it, and Paul said, yes, of course you must do it. But we didn't. We, we thought there'd be tabloid intrusion, but we weren't prepared for what happened. And, of course, the Sun announced the character with the front page banner headline of East Benders. Mm. That was before the character had appeared. There were questions um, in Parliament. Moral campaigners uh, wrote to the BBC saying, why, with AIDS and HIV swirling around the country, uh, are you bringing a gay character into this family show? Brookside had brought in a gay character a bit earlier, but because it wasn't like a flagship program, there hadn't been the outrage. And, uh, of course, the outrage would build, especially when we had our first on-screen gay kiss. Yes, which was literally just a peck on the forehead, right? It, at first, well, it was. It was, a, it was a peck on the forehead between Colin and, and his, his uh, young lover, underage lover, again, very brave mm. at the BBC, played by Gary Hales, and pecked him on the, uh, on the forehead. And 17 million 
people tuned in to see it. And the tabloids blew a gasket. Again, questions in Parliament, but the second kiss uh, later in the show in 1988 on the lips, uh, they said, right, these yuppie puffs, I quote, from a, mm. uh, a, a popular journalist who's still uh, uh, doing the rounds. that uh, And they said, you have to axe these characters or take the show off the air. Wow. Uh, but the BBC stuck to it. They stuck to their guns. And, and the, 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 the strength of how they depicted the character was he was an ordinary guy and he was in the show for three months mm. before, before we got to know that he was, that he was gay. And that, so that the audience got to know him through Doc Cotton, through Pauline Fowler, through Den and Angie and the pub, and he formed a part of the community. And that was very, I think that was uh, central to the success. And throughout this whole mad period, pretty much, I just can't get over that you were still taking the tube to work. <laughs> well, it was the easiest way to get from... East London over to L Street. When, um, when causing there, a national sensation. Yeah, but there was one time when I got on, a, got on the train and, um, and I changed and I was going to uh, King's Cross to get the overground. And it was, uh, it was a Saturday and all the football supporters came on. The train was packed <laughs> with football supporters. And, I, and I, I used to have a way of holding the rail above me so that I could mask my face. But when you're surrounded, you couldn't. And I suddenly heard, it's Colin. Look, it's Colin. It's Colin. It's Colin. <laughs> and suddenly this carriage rocked no. to the shouts of, Colin, give us a kiss. Colin, <laughs> give us a kiss. No way. Yeah. You know, as well, I think what's interesting is you're talking about how the, the, the tabloid paper said, you know, you can't be doing this. This is a family show. So what they're commenting on is, what the BBC are doing with this television show and portraying these characters. But at the hands of tabloid papers, am I not correct? They tried to entrap you. Yeah, there was, there wasn't, there was, they they outed Paul in the centre pages of the News of the World with the, uh, the, the, the headline, Secret Gay Love of AIDS Scare East Ender. Mm. Um, And, and yeah, they, they sent uh, two kids knocked, uh, knocked on our door and said uh, and asked for money. And I said, you're not, you're not going to get me. You're not, and they said, eventually they said, well, you can keep your fiver because those fellas have given us a tenner to ask. And opposite, the, the other side of the road, the two men in a car, clearly waiting to get a photograph of me giving money so that they can just could pose the question, why is gay Colin giving money to young boys. Mm. They tried on other occasions uh, to set me up. Um, They turned up and told me that I was dying of AIDS, uh, an an AIDS-related illness. And and uh, I I walked around the square and talked to them, and they go away, and then for 12 hours you hold your breath, thinking, will they believe me, or will they run a story that is false? And that will cause harm and concern mm. to my family and my friends uh, and to the man I love more than I love myself, Paul. Um, and and, and I, I'm being generous now. I don't think much has changed with the tabloid really? industry. I think, I think there's a veneer uh, of accepting equality. But when I look at the way not only the tabloids but others deal with the trans community, the hatred is still there. 
they're just not sure where they can direct it and by directing it, get away with it. That's why I warn, if they can get away with it, with trans women and trans men and trans teenagers and their families, sure as eggs is eggs. It's our turn next. Yeah. Who are they going to pin fear onto? Who can be the big bad monster under yes. the bed? And, and it is fear. You know, the, 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 the things that are being said about the trans community, uh, they said exactly the same about lesbians and gay men and bisexuals. We're, we're going to be a threat in confined spaces, a threat in the changing room, a threat to families, a threat to children, a threat if we're talked about in education. So, so demonize them. And that's what they did. AIDS and HIV gave our enemies a brilliant excuse to further stereotype, misrepresent, and demonize. Mm. Represent us as a fear. And that's why when people come out and, and being in EastEnders and you show the ordinariness of being LGBTQ+, and also the brilliance, we are the same as anybody else, you give a face to something that somebody else is dressing up as threatening and it's not what's threatening are the people who don't abide by the rules and who don't abide by the law. Hmm. That is the threat. Yes. So lots of people could um, say that at a dinner party and then get on with their lives. You, on the other hand, <laughs> chose <laughs> chose to um, take down Section 28 and found Stonewall. That period of your life sounds so incredibly in retrospect full of very fortuitous charmed moments that were i think very much to do with you being this incredibly charming person who <laughs> people were drawn to but you charming moi <laughs> moi but i you know i i think it's really important to admit when you don't know stuff so here i go I didn't realise that Section 28, which was this piece of legislation for anyone who doesn't know that was brought in so that uh, to not promote any homosexual ways of living. I didn't know that it was brought in in the 80s. I thought it was something that had been floating around as an old piece of legislation that then people then said, no, time is up. We are not having this anymore. No, you're right. It, it came in in... Um... Some conservatives tried to bring it into the Lords in 1986, and then uh, it resurfaced in 1987 as a backbench amendment in the House of Commons. And the Thatcher government, the Conservative government, took it and embraced it as a government amendment, which meant that it went through with the full weight of the government's majority. And it was the first anti-LGB law in 100 years. And it was introduced on the political opportunism of AIDS and HIV mm. to force us underground. And interestingly, that was their misjudgment because I think there was a kind of reaction of having lived with everything that was thrown at us because of AIDS and HIV. We thought, you want to break the camel's back? Absolutely not. I'll give you the fight that you want. And we fought back. And those marches, that we went on. 12,000 people in, in London, 20,000 people in, in Manchester and all the other marches in places like Leicester and Cardiff, our allies 
were crucial in standing beside us. Mm. Um, and, and, and that was the beginning of the fight back uh, and the fight for equality because we'd been seduced by having our bars, our saunas, our clubs, that we were okay. Actually, we weren't. We had no rights, no protections whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and when we lost the battle against Section 28, uh, which Ian McKellen and I were in the forefront of the campaign with so many others, like the brilliant Peter Tatchell, mm. um, I said to Ian, we've got to... We've got to continue. We've got to form an organisation so that another Section 28 doesn't happen again. And that was when we started to think about forming Stonewall. And, you know, talking about allies and the incredible work that you did with that, it was also a incredibly um, glamorous time as well. Not to dwell on the wrong bit of it here, but... You know, as we, you know, if I read in your book, it's sort of as Billy Connolly pops up and does something. Then you're in David Hockney's house. And now you're on having dinner at Elton's and all these people were galvanized around supporting this cause in a way that hadn't been seen before. Would that be correct? Yeah. But we knew when we set up Stonewall and I was the chair, we, we wanted to have a professional staff, an office close to Westminster. Mm. Uh, and continue winning the arguments for equality. Um, and uh, and so we went to them with sa- saying, uh, and some of the wonderful ways, you know, I mean, how I got to Elton and how I got to David Hockney and the, the role that Armistead Mopin played um, and Billy Connolly. I mean, it, it was, it, I was so lucky. But their attitude was, yes, of course we'll support you. Mm. Because they did what I I keep saying we should always do. Um, of course, Billy wasn't gay, but Billy thought, well, what if, what if I was gay? <laughs> I'd be there with you. I'd be there. Come on. <laughs> um, and, 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 and other people who weren't gay stood in our shoes yeah. and said, hey, come on. But going to David Hockney, I remember when I said to him, he couldn't take his eyes off Paul. Um, we were at David's house in, in, in the hills in LA. And I said to David, so this we're doing this with Stonewall and blah, 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 blah. And he went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, and uh, I'm wondering if you'd give us a painting right now. His painting went for, for millions of dollars. And there was a long, long pause, and he looked at me, and he went, oh, only one? <laughs> so I said, yes, yes, only one, that would do. And Billy doing a benefit for us. Um, uh, the wonderful dinner party, I won't give give it away, you know, for people who want to read the book, but that wonderful moment where suddenly Elton um, steps up to the plate and does it, and then somebody else does. Uh, the equality show at the Albert Hall with Elton topping the bill and looking up. Oh, I can see it now. There, fluttering from that flagpole above the Royal Albert Hall, the LGBTQ plus flag, the first time it had flown there. And I thought, oh, my God, we're here. Mm. We belong. Yeah, It's funny, as an atheist, I say, oh, my God, a lot, and it's really worrying. <laughs> so you founded Stonewall with others. You're not involved anymore, right? No, not in, 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 in any official um, 
capacity, but I, I, I'm absolutely there with them, support them, and try and 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 like and try to do fundraising for them and work with them when uh, I'm doing stuff in in the House of Lords, as I worked with them when I was doing stuff in the uh, European Parliament, because mm. I think that they're they're showing real guts and real courage, and they're taking it in the neck because they have said no, equality applies to trans women, trans men, and trans teenagers. Mm. That's what campaigning organisations do. They take it in the neck because they're after things that some people in society don't want to give you, equality. Yes. Um, so I haven't got a, 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 an official role, but I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely there with them. But what made you step away from something that was so going so well, quite frankly? <laughs> I think some... Well, first of all, we, we, we all can suffer from degrees of burnout. And sometimes burnout can show itself uh, in destructive tendencies mm-hmm. where you stand in the way of change. And there were certain things happening in my life and I thought it's time to move on. But even when I made that decision and, uh, and I was at the board meeting and I hadn't said it, there was another voice in my head saying, no, you can't go. You can't go. Who will take over? And the great thing about having the courage to let go is you see how something grows and develops and changes and becomes better because you've had the courage to step away. And I think that is that must be what parenting is like. You know, Mm. that my my mum, when we were in our forties and you know. 50s and she was still alive um she still thought of us as her boys and i and i and i so i think to let go of something especially when it's successful Mm. uh is uh is is also to say i want this to go beyond me this isn't about me and and again the other thing is we always have to remember that things that are achieved are never achieved by one uh they're achieved by many and actually the the achievements on equality may have been realized in, in, in my lifetime, nearly, but they've been achieved by the sacrifices of, of generations of women and men going back thousands and thousands of years. Mm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, and it's that concept of that we achieve together. If we achieve together, we then defend what we have together and we bring others in and we include them, which makes us bigger and stronger and more diverse. 
Sorry, I'm getting too serious now. No, not at all. It's um, what's crossing my mind as you're speaking is that, interestingly, a lot of the words that you're using to describe a functioning business that was doing so well are very similar to the words that you used in the book to describe Paul, the love of your life, and how you guys had an open relationship that functioned really well, and you were both really happy about it. But one of the things that you said was um, that it was about loving them enough to let them go and flourish and grow. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting... We talk about open relationships all the time on this podcast, but it was, uh, I imagine, probably quite early days for the kind of conversation. Well, with ours, um, remember, I was brought up on dishonesty. Mm. I had to be yeah. because, I, um, and a lot of gay, gay, gay men uh, were because, and bisexuals, because we were illegal. But aside from that, um, when Paul said, you know, we, we were about to split up and I, I, I couldn't bear to lose him and he couldn't bear to lose me. And we sat in this, this builder's calf on the Roman road market, looking like two ordinary guys, me stirring that tea, <laughs> not looking him, in the, looking him in the eyes, diversionary tactics. You see, you stir the tea. <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what you're looking at. Two men desperately pretending they're not together, but desperately trying to remain together. Um, and he said, we've got to be honest. If, if we're going to have an open relationship, which is what he wanted, we have to be honest. And I thought, my God, I can't do that. Mm. I, I, I've, I've got a BA in dishonesty. Mm. I mean, I, I've got medals for it. Uh, it's secrecy. That's what, that's what I've been brought up on, secrecy. Uh, and so we, we had to work at it. And then you st- you have a set of rules, and then the rules change. You know, I, he was thirteen years younger than me, but was light years ahead of me in in maturity and uh, and sense. But the, but the the courage to know that you can't own love. You can you can only be given love. You can only be loved. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, uh, and knowing that actually love. And sex are not necessarily the same thing. You're very lucky when they when when the two come together, uh, or the three lust, sex, and love combine. Mm. Um, you're very lucky. But uh, but I, I learned I learned through Paul. He taught me how to be loved. He taught me that you you could love and let go, and and that's how our relationship grew in, into something that when when he died. Uh, just can't be replaced because I that is the one thing that continues I'm changed by the fact that we loved one another mm. I'm I, I'm changed for as long as I'm alive um, and it's and it is only love that sustains you through uh, through life especially through difficulty and also the fun oh the outrageousness that we had <laughs> <laughs> well also the yeah. the love on your own terms as well I always feel like this. There's rules I've been told that I have broken. And I'm like, well, maybe those rules aren't for me. And I think the, one of the beautiful things about being LGBTQ plus is you get to make up your own, you know, and I think you're, you're answerable, answerable to no one except the consenting adults who are agreeing to it, right? Yes. And you're answerable to the fact that you need to live your life 
and be yourself and not be somebody else and thereby your loaned space in the world. When you, when you operate on your own terms, you own your place in the world. Nobody, nobody's lent it to you. And when you do it with another human being or other human beings, the ground is changed forever and it feels brilliant. Paul and I, when we had a, a house together in Turkey, um, the, the, in the village, they used to say, they used to try and work out the relationship. When you say, they say, oh, do, do you, you have two bedrooms. Well, no, we both sleep in the one bed. Oh, who does the washing? <laughs> who, who, does the, who does the gardening? And they wanted to put us into these, these roles. Yes. And of course, um, as, as we each find, regardless of whether you're heterosexual or not, we, we each find our own roles and they are the basis of all of the different elements that make us and make us who we mm. are. Um, and so when I go up to schools, I see teachers thinking, oh, no, don't say that. I say, if, if the box doesn't fit, don't stay in it. If, if that's not your space, create your own space and have the courage to make mistakes because there's no such thing as failure. Yeah. Failure, for me, is evidence that you tried to change something and hopefully change it for the better. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm aware we need to finish soon. But I could chat forever, as you found out. I could chat to you forever as well. It's, um, but you made me think of two things. One, one is, it's a bit like when, um, you know, when like they brought out the car, it, they had to make it look like a horse and cart so that people got what it was. And then, you know, mm. you have to do this sort of transitional period. And I think in no sh small part, thanks to you, civil partnership existing, it's like we're in this transition period where LGBT marriage and civil partnership and things needs to look like the past in order for people to get their head around what it is. And then it will develop beyond that. Um, I would be fascinated to know what it will look like in 100 years, for example. It's interesting you say that about civil partnerships. Um, when I when I went to see the Prime Minister, uh, because we knew work had been had been done on looking at civil partnerships, I, I think that the, the Blair government's approach was we need to make the public aware that actually this is a step, and it's a bit like you, as you brilliantly said, making that first car look a bit like the horse and carriage. Mm. And so, uh, 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 and that I think was part of the progress of going from civil partnerships. Um, but that brilliant conversation I had and Paul had with the Queen about civil partnerships completely opened her eyes. Uh, and I use that as an example because you, you then move on and say, "See, the sky hasn't fallen in." Mm -hmm. um, but but the but also that that lovely notion of. Oh, what's going to happen in a hundred years' time? When I when I'm on the tube and I see somebody get, getting on, and let's say they're a woman or a man, and and they've chose to dress in a way that isn't a part of what people expect a man or a woman to be dressed mm. like, I think brilliant. And I remember a friend of mine said to me, he said my son came out as gay. And then he went off to university and came back home and told me he was living with a woman and that he was in love with her. And I said, but I thought you told me that you're gay. And he said, Dad, I gave you a term 
that allows you <laughs> to understand. He said, I'm not having oh, a relationship, wow. physical relationship with this woman. Who knows? I might. His son occasionally would go out in a dress. Um, and, and, the, and that's why, that is why this whole debate to demonize and discriminate against uh, trans women and trans men and trans teenagers will never succeed is because the younger generation are light years ahead and they will be in control. Mm. And hopefully we can all work so that the rights are improved, are defended and exported so that when we travel, our human rights travel with us. Then we've achieved that brilliant concept of the universality of human rights. Mm. Those are beautiful words, by the way. One thing I find really fascinating about you is that you've done all these incredible things that even you skip over. You know, for example, you your conversation with Tony Blair was so integral to civil partnerships. Is it true that Cherie Blair was also very integral, I was once told, in persuading Tony? Oh, uh, I think like any great married couple that, you know, that also operate as, uh, uh, as great friends, of course, because you... you uh, Cherie uh, and, and, and the two of them were friends of Paul and I, and they remain friends. The two of them are modern couple. Uh, and, that, and that's what I mean about, you know, there are people who want to stop the world spinning forward, but the world will spin forward. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and Tony is, is, is an interesting man because, you know, a, a confirmed Christian, and he then converted to Catholicism. And I remember I had a debate with him at the National Executive Committee about the right to be considered as, a, as adoptive parents, mm. LGBT people. And I, and I said, and Tony, I'm, I, I'm told your office is the problem to this legislation going forward. And he said, absolutely not. He said, I think the church, because there was the opposition primarily from the Catholic Church, he said, I think the church has got it wrong. The church is not in contact uh, with its followers. He said, there's only one thing that matters, and that's the child's right to the best adoptive parents. Yeah. And that's when intelligence places itself center stage and does what needs to be done. And that's essential in politics. And, then, and to allow for progress as well, you know, to have the humility to allow for progress. Uh, and, and to show that actually progress, uh, progress for others is progress for you. Mm. Because people becoming themselves are much happier, are much <laughs> more productive, are much more easy to engage with. The world becomes a nicer place mm. when, we, when we embrace diversity and, and afford it the same protections that we would want. But all these incredible things you've done, you wear it very lightly. You wear the insurmountableness of the things we're talking about here. You wear it very lightly. And where does that come from? Wasn't it Picasso who said, throw away your masterpieces, be interested in what you can't do? Really? Um, there's still much more to do. I'm working in the Lords on LGBT issues. I'm trying to defend LGBT people, LGBTQ plus people. And when I say LGBT, you know, to people listening, I mean the spectrum, but equally Always associate yourself with the struggles of others because that way 
we really do become minorities. And with women, the majority of this planet, we become a majority. Mm. But this work in other parts of the world, um, defending our rights, standing up to people in government who are playing minority off against minority, creating culture wars so that they can see which way the wind is blowing and then in, and then follow that, deriding people for standing up against discrimination or taking the knee against racism. Mm. Um, there's still so much more to be done. And if I've had any play in these things, it's because I've been very lucky. I've not known any fear. And I've been lucky enough at that time to be a bit loud mouthed. <laughs> yes. Well, I I thank you for being so loud mouthed. You know, we we started this conversation talking about the unspoken and how that there were a, a lot of that in your early life. And I think about now how today so many people are able to speak their truth, for want of a better description, entirely because of you and you'd speak your own. No, not entirely because of me, because of the, the generations, the generations of women and men who gave so much. I can't go through Reading Station without remembering what they did to Oscar Wilde mm. when they sent him to prison. They marched him in uniform with leg irons through Paddington Station onto that train. And every time I go through, I see him standing on that station. I remember Reading Jail. And I remember the sacrifices that people have made. And I remember each day sacrifices, and I go on and on about it, that LGBTQ plus people still have to make, and they shouldn't. More to be done, more work to be done. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. What are you going to do now? I think I'm going to make some spaghetti. Oh. <laughs> or did you mean politically? <laughs> What a life to have lived. What a life. And there's still plenty more. The man is still fighting for equality, even after achieving everything that he has. He is a double win for me. And I am enormously grateful for his humbleness and for all that he's done for all of us listening. What a great guy. Please, I want to know what you thought of that chat. It's hello at homosapienspodcast.com. It's at homosapiens on Instagram. It's at homosapienspodcast on Facebook. It's all of the above. Please, get in touch tell us what you thought and all i have to remind you of is please also when you get a second should you want to rate and review on apple podcasts you know the drill what was that you know the drill okay listeners i hope that's filled you up with optimism and love like it has me bye bye oh and next week we've only got roisin murphy maloko singer superstar now solo artist talking me through her hilarious scrapes and adventures in ibiza hanging out with puff daddy being schooled on queer music and disco and the gay scene in manchester it's such a fun chat cannot wait for you to hear it okay bye 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.